Good evening, everybody. Ashley Brown here. Welcome back after a fortnight's break to the Hawks Insiders safe space at the moment. We're on Wednesday nights while they're Thursday night footy. Good to have everybody back with us once again. Hope you all enjoyed your uh, weekend, your stress-free weekend without Hawthorne playing. It's, uh, it's, uh, we miss it when they're not playing, but it's also good not to have the, the stress too much of uh, watching them play, and they're a very stressful team to watch. So welcome back, everyone. We've got a fun hour or so planned as we have a look back at the Freo game one last time, look ahead to the Friday night footy game, Hawthorne's first Friday night game in Melbourne uh, since round 16, 2019. So it's a bit of an occasion to savour, a bit of news around the Hawks. And of course, as advertised, we're going to unpack a lot of years of uh, disappointment for Brad Kolbanski as a Hawthorne supporter. We're going to unpack why he hates Hawthorne, so that's something to look forward to. We'll get to that at about 9 o'clock or so. In the meantime, let's welcome our co-hosts. We're down a couple of soldiers. Not Daddy Prince is unavailable like Will Day because not he, he hasn't got COVID, but all the people at his soccer club have got COVID, so he's got to take training tonight. So he's an apology. Simon Moritz hopefully will join us in a little while. But uh, firstly, it is good evening, Andrew Weiss. Good evening, Ash. G'day, everyone. And uh, yes, nine o'clock cannot come quickly enough, I think. We're all looking forward to to just maybe trying and, and help Brad uh, provide him a little bit of an outlet and, and maybe give us all a bit of a background as to, you know, how this has built up over the years. Uh, Darren Levine, I know you're looking forward to this greatly. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, I've known Brad for a long time and just very keen to unpack this love relation, love hate relationship he has with the Hawks. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been weird being off for the week. I've missed everyone, so thanks for joining and just really keen to talk about the Hawks again. We should actually say that you're actually Darren now a, a Melbourne supporter for the next seven two hours because you're going to snow tomorrow. You're not yeah, going to that's right. Uh, I've got a I've, I've got a uh, Essendon supporting mate actually who's invited me up to the snow. I've no idea how to ski or anything, so I'll probably be watching the game from a pub somewhere in Buller. Uh, well, <laughs> enjoy that. There's plenty of snow around, and the man of the hour, Brad. Hello. Evening, all. Looking forward to a fun evening. I also would like to know how it all began. I think I can track it back to around 2007 days. So I'm sure. You've got a few things up uh, your sleeve, Ash, but looking forward to it, it's going to be a good night. But the tides are slowly turning. Well, no, don't, don't start now. Do not start <laughs> with the positive vibes now. That is unbecoming of you. It's all doom and gloom, and uh, we're going to get to the river in a little while. Um, don't forget, this is always a two-way, or more than two-way conversation. It's a multifaceted conversation. At any time you want to uh, have a chat, just raise a hand, put a request to speak, we'll get you on and have a chat. As I said, we're down a couple of soldiers, so the more the merrier. And you can also have pick your brain with uh, Brad as well at around 9 o'clock. Um, let us start with, um, firstly, thank you everyone for the support of Hawks Insiders. Um, we much appreciate as we head into our second year of operation uh, the wonderful support and the big uh, the big following we've built and the big community we're trying to establish. So thank you to everybody uh, very much for your, for your support and your best wishes. Let's start with the uh, – uh, it was 10, 10, 11 days ago. Probably worth a quick recap of the Fremantle game. Hawthorne lost by 13 points. Uh, given most of us were expecting a loss of somewhere between 6 and 10 goals, this was a game that yet again went into the honourable loss box. There's been a few of those. But it was as entertaining a loss as you could imagine for Hawthorne. Uh, they were up and about. Uh, well, Freo got the first couple of goals. And when it looked like it would be that 6-10 or 10 goal loss, the Hawks flicked, flicked the switch, played some really good football. Uh, you know, a couple of ways were a bit unlucky to win. Had they kicked a couple of uh, shots they should have kicked and had Freo not kicked a couple out of their backsides, uh, the result might have been a bit different. Um, as I go to my running sheet, um, I have you, Andrew. Uh, tell us what was good about the game against Frio. Yeah, well, it definitely does feel like a very, very long time ago. Um, so in terms of the good, um, I think overall it was a great team performance. 
I think I'll go through um, a, a couple of the standout individual performances, but overall as a team, um, we did pretty well and there weren't that many individual standouts. So the team performance was very, very good. Um, I'm the first to put my hand up and have a crack at Jager, which happens um, which, which happens more weeks often than not, but it was his best game for the season and, and possibly one of his best games for the club, I thought. I think he finished with 30 touches and a goal. Um, mass numbers in terms of score involvements and clearances. So um, he really put his hand up and I think was our best player for the game. Um, Ned Reeves in the ruck maybe got uh, outclassed slightly by by Sean Darcy, but again, all the signs to show that he's going to be an outstanding ruck of the future. Sis uh, continuing the year that he's had was an absolute standout and is an All-Australian lock. Um, and then the only other um, specific individual performance Dylan Moore, um, again, proving why uh, he was once once more over the last couple of weeks rated as elite um, with two goals, 18 touches, um, and again, worked hard up and down the ground and, and a fair amount of pressure up forward. So those four guys are probably the outstanding individual contributors in what really was a, a really, really good team performance. Brad, this is your night, so what was the bad? Give us the bad. Pains me to say it, but there wasn't a lot of bad, actually. I only had a couple on uh, my list. Uh, Will Day, I thought, was incredibly disappointing. Probably one of the poor, poorer games he's had. I know he's still young, coming back from injury. Unfortunately, he's got COVID and he's going to miss this week. But I thought he was incredibly disappointing. Nine touches for the game, playing across half-back predominantly. So just couldn't find out. The footies really had a really down season. I know it's been hard because he didn't have a preseason, but very disappointing. And the other bad for me was the missed shots at goal. There was probably two, if not three, from I reckon within 20 metres directly in front. And when you lose the game by 13 points, having led for a lot of the game, those losses really hurt. But considering the team we went in with on the day, as Ash said at the top, you know, the majority of us would have expected at least, at best, a six-goal loss. Those are the losses you take. Good performance, good game style, go down by two goals away to Frio, who's a top-four side this season. You take that any day. Let's uh, get some votes quickly. Daz? Um, I'm going to give... Jeez, this game feels like it was about three months ago. But um, I'm going to give three votes to Jager. I think he was, yeah, he would, he just has had a bit of a purple patch and that was probably one of his best games of the year. God, um, can you come back to me for the other two? <laughs> I just need to remember this game. Two to Sicily and one to Dylan Moore. Yeah, that's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Brad. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Three Jager, two Sis and one to Dylan Moore. Um, that sounds pretty good to me. That uh, is fairly close to the mark. Um, let's go through the Hawthorne injury list and we'll get back to we'll talk a bit more about it when we preview the game a bit later on. Um, we'll go with the start with the bad um, because in keeping with the theme of the night. But there are two injuries that came up uh, or two absentees that came up that just uh, two that just wanted to make Hawthorne's waters throw their phones, smash their phones onto the ground in disgust and just roll their eyes and say, not again. The first one is Chad Wingard, calf soreness yet again. Um, and this was out of the Frio game, so he's been carrying it for the best part of, you know, it was, it's at least it would have been a two-week injury if Hawthorne had played um, last week. So that calf is just something that looks like he's going to be carrying for the rest of the probably the rest of his career, I think, now. And it really inhibits what they can do with him in the side. I mean, they just must be reluctant to play him too often as a, as a burst midfielder. His body just won't stand up. And um, the other one, of course, being Will Day, you know, didn't play particularly well against Fremantle last time around. But what he had got going for him was continuity. And I'm not sure how many, someone will tell me whether it's five or six games he put together on the trot, which by Will Day standards is pretty good. But there we go. He uh, has got COVID. 
I reckon he's had COVID before. I'm, I'm not sure this is the second time he's had COVID, but um, he might have had it. Uh, I think in, in the preseason he in had the preseason it. he had COVID. Yeah. So, although this could be a um, this could be a um, someone he's living with or whatever, this might be one of those as well. But he won't be playing um, again. Just a, a bad game from Demis. I thought the Friday night against the Dogs, he would have been pretty key. He doesn't play too many. Too, uh, doesn't play. Barely in, uh, two games badly in a row, will they? So he would have bounced back, I think, and played pretty well. So he'd be disappointed. I think a lot of the young Hawks are uh, will be getting their haircuts tomorrow and uh, prime themselves for a bit of prime time, and he would have been right in amongst it. So that's the the downside. Um, Ned Long hamstring test, according to the list that came out today from the club. Gunston ankle test gets to training on Thursday, which is really important. Just, a, just the captain's run a little more than a uh, you know a, a kicker out gets through that. He'll play. Sam Frost knee out of the Fremantle game, three to five weeks, which uh, will lead to, as we'll talk later, about James Blank making his debut for the club. Um, Connor Downey hamstring, three to five weeks. I'm not sure we'll see him again this year, which is disappointing. I'm sure he'll be on the list next year, but it'll be a big year for him. Max concussion, um, when they're talking about external specialists, as they did on the medical report, this evening didn't sound overly optimistic that we'll see him back anytime soon. It really has just been the year from hell for Big Maximus in his first year at the Hawks. Better news is that Ben McAvoy sounds like he'll be back at some stage. That uh, He's got a big appointment with the surgeon or specialist on Thursday and he gets you all clear from then. He can discard the neck break and get back into it. So he might be the sort of player we'll see over the last probably four or five weeks of the season, and that makes it a very interesting list decision for Hawthorne next year going forward. We won't see Tyler Brockman again for the season, nor will we see Seamus Mitchell again for the season. Um, Andrew, what were your thoughts as you uh, looked at the injury list this week? Oh, well, I think the two big ones to talk about are Will Day and Chad Wingard. So, um, oh, as disappointing as it is for Will to miss another game. Uh, I was having this conversation with a friend today. He's literally a couple of weeks ago just turned 21. So I'm not, um, I'm certainly not the alarmist that everyone else has been about him missing days, uh, missing games. Um, the big one for me is Chad Wingard. So I've been I've been a staunch supporter and backer of Chad. I, at his best, have absolutely loved watching him play. Um, like I've have backed the trade all the way through, talking about if we can just get, you know, what he did last year. Even though I think he only played sixteen games last year, but his form last year, especially in the back end was amazing. If we can get some more of that, it's still okay. Today was actually the first day where I went, right, well, it's time to accept that we, you know, for all the good that there is in Chad Wingard and that we have been able to see that we lost the trade uh, and that this is, this is actually how it's going to be for... The rest of time, and even I think I might even have thrown up uh, the initial reaction was we should have traded him in terms of seeing what we could have got last year. And, and I think that'll end up being the case with a lot of our stars. There'll be a lot of, well, we should have, or what could we have? Um, and you don't want to be making those decisions emotionally at the time. But um, yeah, he's the real disappointing one for me for today because we've just had the week off. Um, he did okay against Frio as his, as a role player, kicked his couple of goals, albeit another one sort of cheap over the top. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, I think Brad had a bit to, to say about it as well. Like, is this, is this it? Do we now concede that his body's never going to be cherry ripe? And do you, you know... Where do you play him? How often do you play him? Who's he keeping out? All of those questions now for the next couple of years. Um, yeah, that was the disappointment for me coming out of today's injury list. Yeah, I think he's, I think he signed a five-year deal when he joined Hall of Lots. I wrote Kathy on that, which means he's got a year to go. But it'll be interesting to see what they do at the end of 2023 with him because he, he's just not reliable enough. 
Um, and yeah, it's just so frustrating to see the injury report that you know, the two, if you would have said who are the two players most likely to appear, you would have said it was probably Will Day and Chad Wiggum. Sure enough, they were the ones who appeared. Any comments on Louis Jules before we move on, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's disappointing to, to see Chad miss another week. I mean, it's not for a lack of effort, I think. He, he, he really, in fact, he may just be trying too hard at times and pushing him, his body too hard at times. But, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see the likes of Connor Downey and Seamus Mitchell also miss massive chunks of footy this year when they're supposed to be pushing for senior selections. And wouldn't it be sad if Downey's only game for the club was that sub-appearance sub uh, in his debut where he never played one minute? So... Just a, a few worries there about some of our younger players as well. I'm glad to see Ned Long is recovering um, and should probably play this weekend for Box Hill. I think he's probably going to be one of the younger players that are going to feature in the second half of the season. And what I've seen from him at Box Hill, he's, he's going to add a, a bit of grunt and, and uh, tackling strength and power to our midfield. So, yeah, not all doom and gloom, but, yeah, the the day and wind guard injuries really hurt. All right, one yeah, one. Go on. No, I was just going to say one other positive on top of that, Ash, is um, it said that um, Josh Ward's fit to play. Whether or not yes. he gets selected is a different story um, or, you know, whether he has to come through the reserves. But regardless, it means we're going to get to see him over the next couple of months. And um, from a positive point of view, especially when you see that Lynch is in a bit of trouble, given that they had that same same issue from a concussion point of view, to see that he's past fit to play, that was the big positive for me coming off the injury list. Yes, I was going to mention that's the one, one bit, bit of good news out of it, is that we will see him play on the weekend. I'd be surprised if he comes in for Hawthorne. would be totally shocked, but I'd be a little bit surprised um, that he plays. He probably has been, hasn't played the best part of a month in his first year. That's a pretty big gap. I think um, the shame with Ward is that, um, you know, he may not get the rising star, at least nomination that we all thought he was a Monty. I mean, he was actually one of the early favourites, the rising star, based on his pre-season in his first couple of weeks. But um, he might not even get the nomination now. He'd like to think that, you know, Hawthorne, obviously with John Newcomb as one of the red-hot favourites to win it, but it would be nice to get one or two other players a night before the end of the season. And um, I would have thought Josh Waters lead candidate, hopefully Conor McDonald, who I think we unanimously said was Hawthorne's best first-year player in our mid-season review that appeared on the weekend. Hopefully he'll get the nod before too long, but he's also got to get back on the side. So um, we'll see what happens there. The quick, other bit of... Ash, could I just a quick on. one with Ward? Sorry to interrupt. I saw on Twitter today, I'm not sure if anyone else saw it, one of, I think, our supporters put a video up of the tackle, Sydney Stacks tackle on Ward, which actually uh, uh, knocked him out. It was really, really bad, and I'm surprised it didn't cop any other attention, probably because it was in the VFL, but it's worth uh, having a look at all those who are on now. It was a terrible uh, tackle, and it was the reason why Ward's missed the last four weeks. So I saw it as well, at... Brad. I saw it. Did you think it was that... quite bad as well? I think the fact that that vision exists, that nothing was made out of it, having watched it and knowing the impact that it's had on him, is very, very surprising. Yeah. Um, it wasn't good the vision. Hit, yeah. Bad vision. And you look at the history. Uh, Richmond have a form in this, obviously. I might be wrong, Ash or Daz. Why is he, why is he correct me if I'm wrong, but... Josh Caddy's tackle on Will Day a couple of years ago, which destroyed his uh, ankle, was not an accident, if you watch that uh, vision back. I just think that they've got form. And, yeah, that um, for those that haven't seen it, uh, have a look. And it's really, really poor. And I'm surprised nothing was said or stacked in cop any weeks for it because it was really dangerous. Yeah, certainly um, Josh Caddy will... will... Uh, piece of excrement that he is. Um, he, uh, he's, he he tackled um, <laughs> he tackled uh, day a terrible tackle last year and missed half a season because that's uh, Richard Rose no favour. Sydney Stack's interesting. You know he was going to be a he was going to be a a player a couple of years ago, but he's been wallowing in the Tiger reserves um, and they've been playing a lot of other young players ahead of him. Um, so I think his cards hopefully will be marked and he'll go the same way as Josh Caddy in uh, at the end of. Um, at the end of 2023. Now, the only thing that happened the weekend before last, and as Dad said, it seems like it was an eternity ago, was uh, Box Hill. Now, 
I was following the Box Hill scores on social media and I saw they were 14 or 16 points down late in the last quarter um, and a couple of people who posted on social media who were at the game, everybody had given up that they had lost the game. So I didn't pay any attention, didn't even seek to find out the final score till well into the evening when it sort of, again, jumped into my Twitter feed that they'd had this miraculous win, kicking three goals or whatever it was in the last two minutes with Fergus Green, I think it was, kicking the match-winning goal just before the sirens. This is absolute uh, robbery of Port Melbourne by Box Hill. It gets them back in the four days. You're a Box Hill specialist. Yeah, well, I, I watched most of that game and then kind of lost interest when it looked like they, you know, Port Melbourne had, had won it in the last couple of minutes. And then I was shocked, as shocked as you probably, Ash, to see some of the footage come onto socials of us winning that game in the five crazy final few minutes. And I think it just shows that Proctor, I think, is cut from the same cloth as, as Mitchell, as his protege. And I think, you know, that they, they do have this win and like it, it just seems like with Box Hill like doesn't matter if they're down by 40 points they'll just keep coming and I, I really love that belief that they have and it's a, it's a good group of guys and you kind of watch Fergus Green and you see how talismanic he is and how much he can change games and you just wonder what he's doing just playing VFL every week because he really impacts games in a, in a, in a way that, that, that I think maybe he could take the step up yeah, well, it was, a, it was a good win. I think they're in the top four now. They play Footscray at the Witten Oval on the weekend. They're no good. I think that's on Saturday, that game. They're, they're not much good, the, the Bulldogs. So uh, and with a couple of reinforcers coming back for Hawthorne, to, a couple of Hawthorne-listed players uh, back into the side as well. They should win. And I think they uh, it's a bit like uh, last year with Box Hill. I mean, that season was uh, disrupted and didn't complete, but... Took a couple of weeks to find their groove, but once they started winning, they were really hard to stop. And I, I, it's shaping in a very similar fashion for Box Hill this year. And I, while Hawthorne won't be playing finals, I think we could be in for a fairly entertaining September with Box Hill playing finals and also uh, the AFLW season underway. So it'll be a busy time for the Hawks, I think, in September. Let's get to some news for the Hawks over the next few minutes. The first one is the good news is that Connor Nash has re-signed for another two seasons, the Hawthorne Irish experiment that didn't work so well with Connor Glass and one or two others that didn't even really match the starting line. But Connor Nash has been the good news story. Uh, Connor Bash, as I like to call him, because that's what he does to me, just bashes and crashes his way. and He's very Irish, under instruction from Sam Mitchell. He has signed for another two years. And, Andrew, that is great news for the Hawks. Yeah, this is more than just good news. It's fantastic news. And I, you know, again, we, we go through this having documented half of last season, having, you know, having done the Insiders for just over a year now. And, and certainly when we started, Insiders was very much of the opinion that he should probably be heading in the same direction as Connor Glass. but um, We weren't as bad as Matt Edwards, but uh, <laughs> as that um, that female Hawthorne uh, journalist, uh, Matt Edwards, has now been named. No, no, um, pretty close, especially privately as well. You know, very happy to say, why are we wasting our time? He's a list clogger. He's never going to be any good. Obviously, that was being played as a forward and to his credit and Sammy's credit. And the article the other week was brilliant in, you know, him opening up to playing actually a brand of footy that suits his background. Um, and he's brilliant. Now the conversation, the conversations we've been having, Ash, is, is he part of our, you know, best midfield in three years' time? And... For me right now, the answer is yes. I love him. I love what he brings. I love the the difference he brings to the midfield, his physicality. And um, I think it's really just reward and just goes to show that if you work hard enough at the level, then, yeah, you can definitely benefit from putting that work in. And well-deserved, really, really good story. Would you give them two years, uh, Brett? Give him to you. Absolutely. Um, wonderful story. A lot of us supporters, me included, uh, egg on our faces, as I'm sure 
I'm going to hear a lot of stories in the next 20 uh, minutes or so. But he's been wonderful. He's actually been really uh, consistent uh, this season. I think Sammy Mitchell knew it when he was coaching Box Hill, you know, before he became a senior coach. He was willing to give him a crack. Clarko did give him a few chances, but seemed to play him as a forward rather uh, than a midfielder. But the best thing about him is he provides us uh, with an X factor in the midfield. Our midfield is more or less very uh, vanilla, but he's gone in this year. His bash and crash style, as Ash said, loves to tackle. His skills have improved. I know he can turn it over a bit, but you often see him now hit, you know, the 30 to 40 metre passes, um, uh, kicking inside 50. So he's an underrated story for us because he's probably with Mitch uh, Lewis and Jive, the story of the year for us. So definitely deserves two years. And I agree with uh, Weesey. I think he's definitely part of our midfield in, say, you know, when your Wards and your McDonald's are back, you know, in there playing uh, consistently in the middle and Jai, I can definitely see him in there in, say, two, three years' time. Mr. Jazz, good evening. You got a question for us? Yeah, can you hear me all right? Yeah, all good. Yeah, Go far away. Yeah, I, well, it's not really a question. I just wanted to say well done to you, Ash. I read that article that you uh, put out today on uh, Bernie Jones, um, and I thought that was really well written and... Um, I do remember both of those grand finals intimately, the absolute disappointment of the 75 and the joy of the 76. And in that is a deep and abiding hatred of North Melbourne that's never gone away. Uh, and, and um, you know, I thought your article uh, uh, captured it really well. He was a perfect compliment to, uh, to Scotty, a perfect compliment to him. Yeah, thank you for that. I was actually that was the next item on the the agenda was to talk about uh, the late Bernie Jones Hawthorne. If you haven't read the article or haven't seen uh, Tony Wilson's excellent tribute, Hawthorne Premiership Ruckman passed away um, from uh, just kind of found out today he had actually had cancer. He'd been yeah. in a long battle with cancer, so um, he was about eighty six games for the club from nineteen seventy three to nineteen eighty. Had a one year cameo with Essendon in 1978. He was actually part of a complicated trade swap that ended up with Hawthorne getting Norm Goss to the club. It was actually a good deal for Hawthorne. He was a great player, for a great rover for a few years coming across from South Melbourne. But, uh, yeah, terribly uncoordinated. Uh, but he could, what he could do was he was tall and he could hit the ball. He could play ruck. And that's what they needed, just to give dogs yeah, look, a, a chop the, out. The thing about him for me is he was a Hawthorne player. I mean, for years, Hawthorne never had this Grayson style. They were just full of a whole bunch of blokes that just gave it a red-hot go, and Bernie Jones was one of them. So, uh, you know, I, I reckon he fitted into the side well. Yeah, no surprise. He was a John... I mean, he played most of his best footy for Hawthorne. John Kennedy yeah, did a real appreciation, didn't he, for that sort of player. I think yes. once, once yeah. Parko took over in 77, he liked a bit more skill and a bit more science. Mm. I don't think Bernie Jones was his sort of guy, but... Uh, and as, as I mentioned the story, he's one of the six players who famously went to visit Peter Crimmins the night of the grand final in 76. He said it was a bit of a – he was 23 or 22-year-old guy, a premiership player. He, the night was young and he could have done some serious damage elsewhere in Melbourne, I'm sure, that night. But he went out to uh, Croydon to see Peter Crimmins and said it was one of the great things he's done – he did with his life. So – and uh, he's one of those six players. So a great hawk, very popular club man. Interestingly, Robert Shaw, who's a mate of mine, the Essendon former Essendon player and Fitzroy and Adelaide coach, reached out to me. Um, he apparently, he was hugely popular. He was at that one year at Essendon. They loved him out there. So he clearly had a great, he was clearly beloved wherever he went. And I spoke to another former Hawthorne teammate of his today who said the same sort of thing. So, big loss. Uh, and we, we sort of we send our sympathies to his family. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for, thanks for, for reaching out. Um, we are going to get to our feature event. We've we got another discussion. We might defer it to next week. I think uh, we might sort of see how Friday night goes. But we're promising this. Uh, we said we'll do it at 9 o'clock. So, we're going to get stuck into it. It is our... Brad Vention, we are going to find out. We're just going to let Brad talk for a little while. We're going to grill him, the three of us. We actually had some a former colleague of his who was going to join us as well, but I don't see him in the room. If you are, you know who you are. Put your, who was put, that? What's that? Am I supposed to know who it was or not? You or know who it was because I told you who it was today when we talked about it earlier, but he hasn't, 
hasn't lobbed yet. He he's known you longer than many of us have. And <laughs> this is like this is your life. This is your life. He hasn't turned up yet, but if he does uh, put a request in, if he does turn up, we'll get him on straight away because he's known you for a very long time. So, Brad, we want to go back, and in, in saying we're going to do this, got, we'll start with a couple of comments we've had on Twitter. We've had um, a couple of people saying that you actually the one who caught the rest of us wear rose-coloured glasses. And you're the one that actually calls out, and you're the real of the group. So fair, yeah. you, you have your fans. I do. It's a fair comment, and that's it basically began. I was lucky enough to start in the media in about 2006 uh, for Hutchie's our company, Croc uh, Media. No, but I want to go back further than that. We're going to get to that. I want to start. I want to get start at the very top. So you, you're you're an uh, immigrant to Australia. We can say that you're you, yes. you, you from the, the Republic of South Africa is where you you were born and raised before coming here. When did you arrive in Australia and how did you end up back before Hawthorne? Arrived in Australia in early uh, 89. We'd obviously won the flag in 88. I was lucky enough to attend a school where the principal was a mad Hawthorne supporter and basically said to all the students that came, a few of us came from uh, South Africa back then, and she basically said to us, if you don't go for Hawthorne, don't bother coming uh, to school. So, Have, that- have you ever... Well, her name was Jennifer Rice, and we can yes. name her. Have you ever contacted her and to say, why the hell did you make, put me through this twenty, these 30 years of torture? <laughs> no, I didn't. I had no choice. I didn't know what footy was. I had no idea. We'd obviously won the flag, won it in 89, and we were lucky enough to win it in 91. I remember watching that game. I had no idea what the hell was going on. I was only in grade one then. I was probably six or seven at the time but had no idea what was going on. And then, unfortunately, once I began to follow the club properly from 92 onwards, I wouldn't say that was our best of times. How disappointed were you that merger with Melbourne didn't go ahead? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was happy that that didn't happen. Can you get the guts God. of where I'm going here, boys? You've got to tell me out here. We're just going to work through it all. That was disappointing for you. That, uh, or you're happy that they did merge with Melbourne? No, I'm not. I was. I wasn't. I remember going to the game. Was it a Friday night game? Jason it was a Saturday, Saturday night game. Was it? And was it Dunstall and yes, ten Langford for the hundred. Langford waves his jumper. Yeah, that was uh, an emotional game. But no, I wasn't. I only. I the 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 hate for Hawthorne, which I think you started, Ash. No, I decided. Other colleagues of yours. It's coming so. out now. It's coming out now. How, how did he start it, Brad? <laughs> it was probably, as I said, I was lucky enough to work for a media company, um, you know, in 2006. No, I'll go back before then. We've got a couple more questions. <laughs> how disappointed were you, Brad? Yes. How disappointed were you? Uh, well, sorry, how happy were you when Trent Crowe hit the post? In the 2001 preliminary final, Hawthorne missed the grand final. You must have felt vindicated that an underperforming team didn't make the grand final. I was at that game and I was cheering in the Ponsford stand actually behind uh, the goals. But no, I wasn't happy. I actually shed a tear that game. And Goldspink, that might be the Goldspink game, I think he cost us a spot in the grand final. So you were actually disappointed that day? Slightly. I think you can actually wind it back even further. Ash, how, Brad, how disappointed were you that we won the 1999 pre-season cup? It's Port Adelaide at Waverley Park. Yeah, That's most of us were most of us were celebrating at, at uh, Croft winning something and winning some silverware. Like, how how did that sit for you? No, nah, pre-season cup, waste of time. There you go. That's the Brad we know and like. <laughs> we're disgusted about everyone getting excited about a footy game in March. Is that right? Absolutely. Let's fast forward now to the 2004 National Draft. Did you, did you storm out and throw the toys out of the cot when Hawthorne didn't draft Richard Tambley? I was disappointing. I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Jerry Ruffhead, Leon Gaffer Parrots, pick two. Come on. Buddy Franklin, a young skinny boy from regional Western Australia. Come on. I was disappointed. And when they were dropped to the VFL, you know, they started their careers in the VFL, dropped a few times in the v- to the VFL during the course of uh, the season. I was happy and celebrating. 
And when Stephen Quartermain went on Channel 10 News and said, I don't know what Hawthorne are doing when they overlooked all of Ayers, uh, Eid and Wallace to be coached, did you actually feed him those lines? Absolutely. I called him before he was on the news. I worked with quarters quite closely in my media job, and I did. And I was in agreement with him. So well, this is beautiful again to, to the nub of it. You must have enjoyed 2005 and 2006. Hawthorne were no good. You could tell everybody that you were right that they were no good. <laughs> I could, and I was doing it on a regular basis. But then it all went downhill. Lance Franklin's goal in 2007 um, elimination final. His seventh goal against Adelaide to win yeah. us that game. Yeah. Campbell Brown, I think, was that Chris Massey playing on him? Something like that. Did you, was soft goal? Soft goal, Brad, because he had Chris Massey playing on him? Yeah. I could have kicked seven on Chris that day. So, yeah, <laughs> lucky to win that game by under a goal. And when they drafted Surioli that year, that most of us thought was the miss, one thing they needed was the crumbing. Was the crumbing forward? Uh, what, we, what were your thoughts then? Were you, Why were you would you use pick 12 on a small forward? A young boy from the Northern Territory, boarding at Scotch College, young skinny kid, nah. Who picks up a small forward with their first pick? So you would have been in heaven. Was happy as after this step. Was very happy. All right. We've just got a message from uh, our colleague who sadly can't join us. So... Uh, where Can we get him on next week? We'll get him on another time. We've got lots of stories to tell. He will come back. Don't you worry about that. But we've got Chris Massey here, who's just <laughs> The funny um, thing is, Chris Massey would probably be playing full back for us at the moment. When Hawthorne won the 2008 grand final, Brad, were you thinking it's all it, it peaked too early? Was I, Did I think we peaked too early? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, we beat Geelong. Cameron Mooney kicked straight in the first half. The game could have been a different story. And what were your celebrations like after the, or how reserved were your celebrations after the 2008 flag, Brad? I think I was in shock. So I struggled to smile. But once it settled in, yeah, I was a little happy. And how did you feel about the collapse of next year? It was, I told you so. They won two. Were you going around chortling and crowing? I didn't know you then. So were you. Uh... Were you crowing at, uh, at the, the dismal performance of following you? Uh, yes. Well, you guys were all probably blaming our uh, injuries at the end of, two, you know, the start of 2009 and players going in for surgery. Yes, I was very happy then. So Twitter took off around then. Was that, so when was the birth of the Brad Hates Hawthorne yeah, hashtag? So did, I I did, not, joined, did I did not start? No, I joined Twitter in yet early 2009. Uh, after we had obviously won the 2008 flag, which was deep down a very joyous uh, occasion. And I know you boys are being smart asses and have been smart asses and everyone out there. I'm only playing it along. But yes, I joined in 2009. And when the hashtags all began, I think the person who was going to join us tonight, Drewy Lowther, who's a great man, former, Ash, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Chief editor of the staff at Chief of staff at AFL Media for a few years. Yeah, chief of staff at AFL Media. I worked very closely with Andrew. I used to sit next to him for many a years in my media job, and we used to have a bit of fun where I'd go a bit over the top with my Hawthorne comments. And I've got a strong feeling, which we'll hear next week. He has kept a list of things I may or may not have said over the journey, and a lot of them will come back to bite me in the bum because a lot of them were said between the years 2010 and 2012. So, so can I ask, because Brad, like, obviously we're building up to the golden years and some of these specific stories, and, and I've known Ash for quite some time, and, and he's always referred to you as the angriest Hawthorne supporter. And before I knew you and seeing your tweets and your messaging around Hawthorne. I actually legitimately thought you weren't a Hawthorne supporter. I just, I just thought he used that as a, yeah, you're, you're secretly an undercover Hawthorne supporter. But so, so where did, like, we've gotten to, you know, you being around the 30-year-old mark, but where did the antithesis of being so negative around the Hawks start and come from 
Well, it start, to be honest, it started when I was with uh, Drewy because he's a mad at Hawthorne uh, supporter. And I used to love getting it under his uh, skin. Uh, Ash as well, like back in the day. And as we all know with Twitter, deep down, I'm sure it, a lot of us are, uh, can agree. It's not the best of, uh, what's the word, uh, social uh, apps at the moment. Um, but you can say things on Twitter and you can, you know, yeah, I get away with it. I just used to uh, provoke him uh, quite a lot and it used to get under his skin. And I used to love getting, uh, yeah, uh, under Drewy's skin. And it just sort of took off from there. There was another guy in the office, uh, Ash knows, Julian uh, Bayard, who's still involved in the media today, another mad uh, Hawthorne uh, supporter. And I used to rile both of them up something shocking. So that's sort of how it started. And then I sort of just kept on going on with it. But as a few people have said, I've got a few uh, messages from our supporters. They often like hearing a realist and someone that doesn't necessarily always wear the rose-coloured glasses. In saying that, I did have a lot of... uh, I was wrong, and I'm mad enough to admit I was wrong numerous times, as we'll hear next week. But in the last five to six years, Ash, which I'm sure we'll touch on, hopefully, to give me a bit of leeway, <laughs> there's a bit of a list I've compiled, which I've sent around to us, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And I think the four flags that Clarko won slightly covers up the cracks, and rightly so. But if we continue like we have been the previous five years, in the next two to three years, it's going to start to slowly uh, come out. But in saying that, as I've said, I think Sammy's got us on the right track and the tides are slowly turning. I'm not as angry as I once was because I truly deep down believe that Sam is the right man and he's going to take us in the right direction. When Buddy kicks 13 goals against uh, North Melbourne, were you disappointed it wasn't 15? Did you I'm think not gonna it, was, lie. it was worth double because North were pathetic? I'm not going to lie. That was the night before my wedding. I'm pretty sure it was a twilight game, a four-weird time. Was it a late afternoon game in Tasmania, Ash? I might be wrong. Yeah, something like that. But, yeah, that was the eve of my wedding. Some out there might be surprised that I'm married, but, yes, I am. I've got a lovely, beautiful wife and three beautiful <laughs> young children. Um, but, yes, uh, I've seen that replay numerous times, So, but I can't comment because that was a rare game that I actually missed. A lot of people out there like Ash seem to think that I don't watch Hawthorne games. I don't often go, but I haven't missed too many games over the last, well, probably 30 years. Brad, what have you watched the replay of more, Buddy's 13 or your wedding? Uh, Oh, my wedding. Good answer. (laughs) She's not listening. (laughs) That's the wrong answer. That's the wrong (laughs) answer, Brad. (laughs) 2013 um, preliminary final, greatest last quarter in uh, modern Hawthorne history. They get over the line. Were you sorry that the cur- that the curse was over? Did you get great joy out of Hawthorne continually finding ways to lose at Geelong? Was it was a reason for you to follow football closely? Uh, extinguish that night when Hawthorne finally uh, got a hearse for the curse. The t- I thought the tides were going to turn then, and I would the anger would uh, disappear. But no, that was that actually was a very good night. Was that was that the Burgoyne goal? Yeah, Burgoyne goal. Yeah, no, that that was magnificent. Um, I was at that game and I cheered for Hawthorne that game, Ash. You didn't think it should have been a free kick to uh, the dog play was tackled in the middle of the ground with a minute to go? Were you upset you didn't get the free kick? No, I wasn't. But in all fairness, I'm pretty sure we were down by close to four goals at three-quarter time in that game. So some might say we were lucky to get over the line in the end. No. Let's not forget why, because that ridiculous on the full decision that got overturned just before three quarter time. But sorry, that that's for another day. Brad, two twenty thirteen grand final, good day for you, or should they won, uh, or was it was it really just a Frio's bad kicking letter off the hook? Uh, you would have been vindicated. No, nah, oh, that is actually a, a a tough one. Is it wrong to say that that was an awful game? Despite oh, us no, winning the grand final, it wasn't a great game. But if, if your if your memory of it being a, a, a shitty game of football run Hawthorne winning, that speaks volumes for your psyche. I'm only joking. That was a good game, especially after we lost 
some might say the unlosable in 2012 was actually interesting because I'm pretty sure we went into 2012 against Sydney as favourites and 13, 14 and 15, I might be wrong, but I reckon we were underdogs and most of the media experts, us included, had Hawthorne as underdogs in all three of those games and they won at least 14 and 15 easily. 13 was. They were, they were the underdogs in every game. Frio's pressure in 2013 was so spring Hawthorne undone. 2014, Sydney had been on top all year and everyone assumed Buddy was going to turn up and kick eight goals. He played really well, but he didn't kick eight. And 2015, Hawthorne had lost to West Coast three, three weeks before. Oh, and and the Weagles' yeah. web was supposed to come to the MCG and uh, destroy Hawthorne. Yes, but um, yeah, no. I was very happy after the three, Pete Ash. Oh, very good. Okay. Um, we've got a, a, a Brett who wants to come on and have something. We don't, we'll get to you before we go, Brett. We're going to keep this going a bit longer, but uh, we won't let you go without uh, something you want to come on to the spaces and say. Thanks for reaching out. All right, Brett, we're going to talk a little bit serious now. Um, so Hawthorne went, and we'll get into, this is some stuff you did want to talk about. We've had a bit of fun till now. Hawthorne, in the eyes of most people, had no choice but to chase the four-peat in 2016 and pretty much keep the list intact apart from um, Brian Lake and David Hale, who really were on their last legs. Um, hindsight, in the perfect world of list management, if list management's your thing, Hawthorne should have lost the premiership in 2015 and then started a savage list dismounting afterwards. When was your first... When were you first concerned? When, when did the first, I know you're like a pathetic Hawthorne and you're a joke Clarko and all these things you've been prone to say on social media, but when were your first, when were your first concern that uh, when they start making decisions in all seriousness that you didn't agree with? Yeah, well, to be honest, I've got, uh, as I've said to you guys, you, you can't begrudge Clarko for going for four in a row at the end of uh, 20, you know, um, for the 2016 season. I think we, we ended up going out in, you know, obviously we ended up going out in straight sets. Um, Fast forward to 2018 and we did finish top four. But as I've said previously, that was a false hope. That was the worst thing that could have possibly it happened to us. I know Isaac Smith missed the kick for goal against uh, Geelong that year. But I thought when we went out in straight sets at the end of 2016, that was the time uh, for us to start again. And obviously, at hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I know there's a list that I've come up with, Ash. There might even be an article in there for, for uh, Hawks Insiders. But um, the decision-making basically from the end of 2016 to Clarko's end of, you know, Clarko's time at the end of the club, in all honesty, has been nothing short of a disaster. And I've got a list there that a lot of us like to gloss over because of the success that we had, and it's great. And, you know, Clarko is the legend of our club, four premierships, which is unbelievable. But the decisions him and the club made in his last five or six years, unfortunately has and will continue to set us back for many years to come. And Sam Mitchell's got a big job on his hands. But were you for the changeover at the time or against I th- No, I, getting thought, I, I honestly thought, it was the right that decision. I thought Clarko should have gone a few years prior, but it was the way that it was handled by the club was extremely poor. That was what was the disappointing thing. The decision was correct, and the decision should have come probably two to three years beforehand. And I get Clarko, you know, the greatest ever coach, all that stuff. But Jeff Kennett, unfortunately, I'm going to say his name uh, often says, and I think I've even heard Clarko say, 10 years in an organisation is a very long time. And Clarko was with us, Ash, correct me if I'm wrong, probably 14 years, maybe more. Yeah, I think that's right. Ash, you're right. Oh, is Ash... We might have dropped off. Ash might have dropped off a bit. Um, yeah, I thought Clarko, uh, as good as he had been, we needed a change. And we started to see, you know, quite, you know, we started to see signs um, 2019. I know we've, we finished top four in 2018, but if you look back at the results for that year, we could easily have missed the eight in 2018. We won four or five games by 
under seven or eight points and at probably three or four games by under a kick. But it wasn't only the on-field, it was the off-field as well. Some really poor decisions. Well, you've listed all of them. Um, and, and we'll probably go through these over. I think we're going to revisit each of those, um, some of these, over the next little while. And hopefully Drew will come join us one night and have a bit more fun. Um, but so a lot of the ones you've listed here are right. Some you, know, you can argue a little bit with. Uh, Which ones do you think? Oh, well, I think uh, training Bradley Hill. I think that just did Bradley Hill's favour. They probably could have expected a better deal for Bradley Hill, but they looked upon him and said, three-time premiership player wants to go home. Um, and I know there was probably some better deals going around at the time, but I think they just wanted to make the deal quickly so they could be... Yeah. And I they think knew, it was knew what claimed, their trade hand was going to be. Yeah, well, I think he claimed he was uh, homesick and he wanted to go back to WA, but then all of a sudden, a few years on, Sakilda had offered him a five-year deal and he's back living in uh, Victoria. And just to put it into perspective... We got pick 23 in return for, at the time, the best uh, winger in the game. And around the same time over the coming years, we saw Bryce Gibbs go from Carlton to Adelaide for two first-round draft picks. GWS got two first-round draft picks for Dylan Shield. And my favourite one of all, Collingwood giving Brisbane two first-round draft picks for Dane Beams. But so we knew that at the time. When he was traded, there was an original disappointment that, okay, it's great that we're doing the right thing by him, we're sending him home, that we're getting it done early, but that, A, we still could have wanted more. And I think the the double down on that was that when he came home, obviously he was only coming home for money, but there was an opportunity for him to take significantly less and come back to Hawthorne. Yep. But it was never about coming home. It was all about the money. So it was it was a double edged the decision uh the decision there. And and I think really as opposed to what his true value was that we should have still been able to get more than that 20s pick for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big uh, negative on the end of Clarko's uh, reign at our club. If you look at our activity across trade and draft in the last five or six years, other than Tommy Mitchell, who was an unbelievable deal, I think we traded pick 14 for pick him. 14. That, was, that, that was a great deal, but he's lost his... I agree, Clarko, you know, the magic wore off in terms of the trade. Um, and you know, Just about we're... every other deal, he might, like yeah. every other deal him and Graham right at the time made was just a disaster. You can name him, the Wingard trade, the O'Meara trade, Tyrone Vickery, two years at $500,000 per season. Puts into perspective, Richmond, the draft pick that they got as compensation for Vickery was the same as what we traded our Bradley Hill for to Fremantle. Um, because of what we paid Tyrone Vickery. He played six games uh, for the club. Um, The drafting of the GWS boys, the uh, trading for them, Jonathan O'Rourke cost pick uh, 19, but because he was pick two and Clarko uh, was the messiah, he was going to turn into an A-grade midfielder. Then we went into the Patton and the Scully years for future fourth-round draft picks, which our supporters always say, but, you know, it's a fourth-round draft pick. Well, what draft pick was James Sicily? What draft pick was Blake Hardwick? What draft pick was Lewis? You know, the, uh, the list uh, goes on. All right. We are going to wrap that up, Brad. We've got lots more to unpack. This will be a semi-regular, uh, semi-regular feature over the, uh, over the rest of the season. Looking forward to uh, the one we finish, uh, with the positive and how we're going to beat the Bulldogs on Friday night. Well, we're going to take it. Brett wanted to... Uh, Brett wanted to have a uh, he to have, have a chat with about something. So, Brett, if you could make a request to speak and we'll get you on. Um, we're very keen to hear what uh, what is you have to say, if indeed you still want to say it. So you reach out to, with something to say. So, Brett um, Here he is. Yeah, here he is, Brett. Good evening, Brett. Welcome to Hawks Insiders. Brett. Just got to take your phone off mute, Brett. Okay. Sorry about that. There G'day, is. Brett. G'day, guys. G'day, everyone. Uh, geez, his glass half empty, isn't he, Brad? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was enough for me. Um, well, it, it's all about batting average, isn't it? I mean, we've made a hell of a lot of good calls in amongst all that. You can't, uh, you can't average a hundred, no. but um, absolutely. Brad, like Brad, Brad, what have you done for me yeah. lately, Kablansky? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> tone it up a bit. Anyway, um, I just wanted to share quickly. Um, 
I my two boys play in the local under seventeens in the junior footy league up here in northeast Victoria. And our footy coach was away for the weekend, and we had a guest coach, and it was the uh, the one and only great Michael Tuck. On the uh, wow, oh, that would have been unbelievable for the kids. Michael Tucks is a ripping bloke. He's a legend. He is, and uh, he was just terrific. He, um, as you can imagine, he's. I think if you look up unpretentious in the dictionary, there's a picture of Michael Tuck there. So it's um, it's a bit like you know having a farmer down the road. But he he came in and just talked to the boys about you know what really what's great about playing football, what's great about playing in a team, what's really important. Um, and just doing the, the fundamentals, and uh, yeah, just sort of during in between quarters, just spoke about what he thought they were doing well and what um, they could probably do a little bit better. But yeah, it was a great experience. Um, Question for you, Brett: Did the boys know who Tucky was? Yeah, well, I gave them uh, in the week leading up to. I I told them who was coming, so that they had the opportunity to go out and Google and um, and also let the parents know, so that particularly the fathers, I guess, and. Others could get in their ear and tell them about what a what a rare thing it was that they were coming. So yeah, they, they responded pretty well. Actually, I was a bit concerned that they wouldn't know who he is, um, but he they did. They uh, spent a bit of time on YouTube and uh, and on Google, and um, yeah, that so was great. Yes, incredible. Would have been an incredible experience for them to have a seven time premiership player, one of our biggest uh, legends, obviously of the Hawthorne Footy Club, but. He's just a great bloke, Tucky. You know, he's obviously part of the uh, Ablett uh, family as well. Yeah. Um, he married Gary Ablett's sister. Correct. Um, Correct. But, uh, yeah, that would have been an awesome experience for the kids. He, he's had a bit of rough trot in life, Tucky. If he's yeah, he's had a hard... The Tucks and the Ablett's have had a really hard uh, yeah. life. So, you know, for what he's gone through, um, yeah, it obviously was Shane in the last few years. Uh, Travis has had his uh, problems as well in the Ablett family as well. Yes. Um. He often, you know, Tucky often speaks at a lot of our footy functions and when you bump into him and speak to him, he's always got time for people. Uh, yeah, uh, Ash, I'm sure uh, you've spoken to uh, Tucky quite a few times. I interviewed Michael Tucky, Gary Ablett Sr. At, um, at a Friends of Maccabi event at a synagogue literally around the corner from my house about five, six years ago. It was incredible. I don't know how we got... Gary Ablett there, but they did, and it was amazing. For He's a hour. religious man, Gary Ablett. Well, I think I was the appeal. I think he wanted to check out the synagogue next door, but uh, <laughs> it was quite incredible. Now, Brett, before you go, yep. before you go, uh, it's nearly the weekend. Uh, if we're going to go down to Dan Murphy's, what are we going to buy? Ah, uh, right. Well, uh, it's the middle of winter, and uh, we're talking <laughs> lamb shanks. We're talking, um, you know, <laughs> these sorts of rich casserole-type meals. So you really want to be looking at um, – and a big red, you want to be looking at something with a bit of guts and a bit of substance, um, a Shiraz or a Jarif, something along those lines. You know, don't be necessarily too much on your um, on your Merlot or your or your Pinot Noir. So just go for a rich red, uh, a meaty red for a meaty time Correct. of year. Brett, that's been wonderful. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. It's great to hear uh, about the, the great Michael Tucker and, and how he's, uh, he's helped out a bunch of uh, footballers who now will have stars in the rise. So thanks for joining us. Uh, pleasure. Us. Thank you very much. No, thank See you. Yeah. That was great. Um, all right. We are going to finish off now with a bit of a look ahead to Friday Night Football, as I said, the first time. Oh, hello, Simon, by the way. Good evening. Good evening, guys. How are you doing? Good. Good to have you here. I'm going to, throw straight, going to throw straight to you. How did the Hawks win this game on, uh, on Friday night? Well, it's one of the rare um, situations where we actually have uh, um, a less experienced ruck than we do um, because Tim English is out for the Bulldogs, which is massive for us. Um, and it looks like they're going with Jordan Sweet as their central man. So that's pretty good. Um, the downside to that is that it kind of doesn't matter because Tim English isn't a great tap ruckman anyway. I think the Bulldogs are way down the rankings for hit out and yet they lead the league for clearances. Um, so they have sort of worked out that you know, how to win a clearance, even when you're not winning a hit out. Um, and we, I think, uh, last the clearances. So that bit could get quite ugly. Um, so as long as we're aware of it, um, first things first, try, try, try to exploit um, the first hands on the footy at the, at the hit stoppages. Um, and other than that, it's really just about not letting the Bulldogs flick the ball around too much. They love to possess it. Um, they're a very high possession team. They get it to, you know, if there's a person under pressure, they get it to the next man. And if he's under pressure, they get it to the next man. And um, so that's that's with something. Dodgy, gonna... With those dodgy handballs. 
if you want to call them handballs, yeah, sure. No, um, but yeah, that that's something that we got to be aware of. That that there's always going to be a get out man, and that and we have to be um, really really sharp on that. Um, and the last one I think is uh, that we have to be aware of um, is the goal kicking midfielders because they've got Aaron Norton, who's Plan One A, um, and and we are quite susceptible to a big marking forward, so he's a big concern. But if we can put a bit of body on him, go to school on that um, video that they showed of, of Sam Collins stopping him. Um, if he doesn't get a good run and jump at it, then then he's uh, somewhat limited. So the next step, especially with Cody Waitman probably out, is is the midfielders. So Bont plays forward a lot. Um, players like Trelaw and um, uh, who's the other one? Not Bailey Smith. Dunkley. Thank you. Dunkley. <laughs> Dunkley. Um, they they love to just creep inside fifty, take a mark like forty meters out, and they're very very good from the from the shots there. So whoever's um on them in the midfield has to be really really accountable and run both ways um just to stop the midfielders drifting forward and kicking goals. So it might be a case where they they might get a lot of the ball, they might get a lot of the clearances, but if we can just stop them being effective, um, there's been plenty of games this year uh, where they've kicked sort of seven, eight, nine, ten goals. Um, and if we can keep them to that, then we can beat them. What about Tim O'Brien? How do we stop him? <laughs> Tim O'Brien, well, what you got to do is just put the ball up in the air about three metres above his head and then have a crummer. Well, given this is a night of Brad, this is a night he'll play. He'll take eight contested marks <laughs> and uh, and totally embarrass Hawthorne. Is that right, oh, Brad? Oh, he'll, he'll, never the end of he'll it. somehow kick four or five as the, as the floating second big man because yeah, Josh Bruce will... Would, is the type of player that would come in and kick 10 against us, but he's going to play at least another week or two in the VFL, which is a good uh, result. I've looked at this game. I think we've got a, actually got a chance to win. Without English, without Bailey Smith, without Cody Waitman, Dr. A, one of our boys, who has actually been a really good player for the Bulldogs the last couple of seasons, he's obviously uh, out as well. Um, as Simon said, their midfield is really, really strong, which is probably um, our... Uh, weakness but other than uh norton they don't really have another key forward it's going to be interesting to see blank will probably get first crack at him great to see blank going to be making his debut this week whether they bring dgb in as well i hopefully they do i think hardigan's done his time i think obviously with frost out um we're going to have five or six our changes so it's going to be a completely different side to who played against uh the dockers uh callow's obviously going to go out James Warple probably deserves to come back in after two pretty good weeks in the VFL. His last game in the VFL is probably his best since going back there. Liam Shields, one of Shields or Howe will probably go out. I think Howe's played pretty well the last couple of weeks. So I reckon, unfortunately, Shields has got his 250. I think he'll finish his career playing and mentoring the guys at Box Hill. But overall, I think our forward line is strong enough with... Lewis back, hopefully Jack Gunston's back, because the Bulldogs' back line, as we saw last week against GWS, is quite weak. So we can kick a winning score. The biggest negative, in my opinion, is Marvel Stadium. I would say the Bulldogs are probably a three-goal better side there than any other ground, and I don't think Hawthorne plays Marvel Stadium too well. But I think we've got a good chance. I reckon it's a 50-50 game. Yeah, I think Hawthorne's forward line can... You know, it's a big chance to get them, but I, I worry that uh, I worry that they'll leak too many goals through the midfield. That they'll just be beaten again at stoppages and clearances, and that those that yeah they'll as they like to do the dogs work the ball around, get to space, and get the ball uh, forward. So it will be a good one, I think, Hawthorne. Um, just a big quick chance, one. Uh, do have a chance. How many changes are are too many? Because obviously. Uh... Wingard goes out, Day goes out, Frost goes out, Callow's going to be dropped. Uh, that's already, you know, four definite changes. Uh, and we're probably going to have a couple more. So, you know. Well, I think got... Warple comes into Boston. They, they need that midfielder. Warple will come in. Not sure they'll play both DGB and Blank. What do you think for DGB if Blank gets a game ahead of him this weekend? Uh, there's a couple mm. of people a bit concerned about DGB that he's not pr- tracking at the level we would have hoped for. A, Number six pick. So. Connor McDonald could probably come back to replace Chad, or do they go with a Joshy Morris plays a full game and they rotate mm-hmm. their team? Oh, let's Darwin, hope not. 
Yeah, MP's uh, available as well. He's, so... he's had a disappointing season, but I don't think he gets back into the side. Well, he's, he's not a bad player for Marvel, though, because he's got a bit of pace. Uh, any thoughts, Daz and Andrew, before, on the team and, and the game before we finish up? Oh, I just think it's a very winnable game, but I mean, oh, it's really hard to actually decide which way to tip for us at, at the moment. And the reality is, if we put in a decent enough performance, uh, I'll be happy enough with that. I think in our mid-season review, I tipped us to win three more games for the season. I think there'll be two against the three minnows that we should beat. We'll drop one of them. And I think we'll upset uh, a decent team. I just don't think it's going to be the Bulldogs this week, but... We'll be more than happy to stand corrected. Yeah, well, we had that interesting chat uh, today in our group, and I think Simon was the only one who went uh, the opposite for everyone out there. We've got rated, according, I think, to Champion Data, the second uh, easiest draw in the run home. In the next five weeks, we play the Bulldogs, GWS, who are just above us, and then we've got, obviously, Adelaide, North and West Coast. Uh, West Coast is at the MCG. Adelaide, I'm pretty sure, is at Marvel, Marvel. And, and North Melbourne is in uh, Hobart. So, realistically... That'll be Ben Canton's comeback game. He'll have 35 touches. Yeah, a will, but it doesn't matter. I know they beat us last year. But if, and it's a big if, we play at the best we can, and the game style that Sam's got into the guys, we can realistically win all five of those games. So, my question was... You know, would you be happy for us to say finish the season on nine or ten wins and finish? You know, we're parking that discussion for next week, Brad. Oh. We're running out of time, so we'll just pick it up it's next week. We'll, it's a teaser for next it's week. We do need to for our supporters. We do need to finish up. Um, so that has been the spaces for this week. Um, thank you to everyone for for, for coming. Well, Brad, thanks for being such a good sport. Had a bit of fun. Hopefully we get Drewy on next week. Hopefully we get Drewy on to talk a bit more about it. Or the next couple of weeks, he's got COVID, the poor bastard. So he's uh, he sent me a text. He's just woken up, so he, he sent his apologies. Uh, Andrew, any housekeeping? No, just looking forward to getting stuck in on Friday. Player review uh, coming up over the weekend, as well as the main recap. Uh, and a couple of feature articles that we've had in store for a while will will come out over the next week or so as well. So just and Rodney uh, Ede, Rodney Ede is an apology. He was supposed to have, his mid season review was supposed to appear for subscribers. That will be out next week. He's going to watch this game and then write the review for next week. So look forward to some more great work from Rocket Ede, Hawks Insider's own man. Absolutely. That's been Daz, you've been a bit quiet. I've just been I've just been taking it all in, really. And I think um the next time we have Brad on, we've got to unpack the love for Carlton. Oh, I think that's, that's the second part of it. Uh, yeah, that's the second part of the story <laughs> that our listeners may not be aware of. But yeah, I reckon we've got a, sh- a shot against the dogs. And if we play like we played against Freo, I think there's few sides that actually beat us um if we play that sort of intense uh four quarter game. So I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about the weekend. I think we've got a real chance. I think it will be a good game. I've picked the dogs by 10 points, but I would not be surprised at all if the Hawks get the win. That's been it. Thanks, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for the number one Hawthorne content on the information superhighway that there is. So thank you, everyone, again. Have a good uh, couple of days. Enjoy that Friday night footy, a rare one. There's nothing better than on a weekend. Wake up on Saturday morning. It's been a while, but uh, wake up on Saturday morning after Hawthorne win. So... Let's hope that happens. We'll be with you um, over the weekend, as Andrew said, with our reviews and what have you. We will talk to you again. Two more Wednesday night spaces, and then we will move back to Thursday nights for the remainder of the season once Thursday night footy finishes. Enjoy the rest of the week. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again shortly. Thanks, and good night.